Welcome, welcome to episode number 40 of Bleeding Blue, and we have a lot to discuss about the New York football giants. We say goodbye to Landon Collins and Olivier Vernon. We really want to say hello to Josh Rosen, or do we? We say hello to former Cleveland Brown Kevin Zietler, and with free agency officially starting today, we talk about some possible names we could see the Giants adding and talking about how active the Giants will even be. So, without further ado, let's bleed. Blue, blue, blue. This is number 40 already? Yeah. This is number 40, Brett Wiley. Wow. 40 is a pretty pretty good number. Nice, even number. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a popular sports figure in either Philadelphia or New York that's had the number 40, and I can't think of anybody. Well, it's not a good number for a player, but I'm just saying that it's good. It's like a 40th anniversary tour. You know, it's like a good like music. Slash I love poetry that. number. I love that. Yes. I, I'm excited for episode 50. I feel like we have to do something for episode 50. Yeah. Like we, we should tour. <laughs> we should we should throw a party. We should we, we, we should throw a party at at, at, at Citizens Bank Park. Because <laughs> that's Bank completely Park. irrelevant to New York. <laughs> I mean, I'll I'll probably when episode 50 comes out, I will be in Philly, most likely. Yeah. So yeah, you you and you and me, Brett. Nobody else. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nobody nobody else is invited. That makes sense. Okay. Um. So yes, you hear Brett Wiley, episode forty, New York Football Giants, Philadelphia Eagles fan. But guess what? He's so knowledgeable about free agency and everything that goes on with that. So he's on, and he's just a great guy overall. Brett Wiley, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. And yeah, I do like talking free agency. I mean, yeah, I'm an Eagles fan. Everyone knows it who listens to the podcast. I mean even semi-regularly. Uh, but, you know, I like talking about other teams, too, because there's 31 other teams out there. Amen. It's been a while since we've been in front of the microphone. Um, so February 16th, um, David and I interviewed Dan Schneier um, from uh, Pro Football Focus and 24-7 Sports, host of the Big Blue, blah, Big Blue Banter podcast. That was a really good interview, so go check that out in the previous episode. But that was February 16th. Since the last time, at least I was in front of a microphone recording a podcast. What have you been up to, Brett? Pretty much the same old, same old, to be honest. Just going to work and coming home and <laughs> watching the Flyers, watching the Sixers. Yeah. Watching Flyers, watching Sixers. I mean, you know, the Sixers aren't doing so great right now, and the Flyers are trying to make the playoffs. But mainly what I've been excited about in the sports world is the Phillies. <laughs> Beast Hoskins just hit a monstrous home run and i thought it was jt real muto yeah well <laughs> like you said you know if you're not a phillies fan you probably get them confused because you know both right right both right-handed both white you know both begin with one yeah so. the both of our numbers begin with one so i'm like oh yeah, yeah J- I, I was like in our bleeding blue group chat uh jt real muto hit a hit a monstrous home run and then everybody's like what are you talking about <laughs> i was like oh i guess it's hoskins i like had to look at the video again yeah oh man but. Yeah, so I've been uh I've been busy with school, and that's part that's mainly why I haven't, you know, it's been a few weeks since we put on an episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're on spring break now. Spring break. The day that you're listening to this episode, hopefully, and the day that this podcast is released, it's my 21st birthday. So happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. Um we are recording this Sunday evening-ish. So if there's any news that breaks overnight, if there's any news that breaks in the morning, if there's any news that breaks on, you know, Monday, Tuesday, whenever you're listening to this, we don't know. But basically, I like to think that we're not like a podcast that basically likes to predict the future. I like to think that, you know, this is like a fan podcast that simply we're reacting to things that happening that are happening. And I'm not here to like give like hot takes or anything like that. So but we'll uh, we'll probably have a bleeding blue episode. For the Giants next week again, but there will be no Yankees episode this week. It'll just be the Giants on Monday. 
But follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 Follow the podcast at bleeding double underscore blue. Follow Brett on Twitter at CoyoteWeather10. And keep up with the Yankees and Giants content on there, even though there will only be one episode this week. So there you go. That's housekeeping. Five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. We're at 29 ratings. We got to get to 30. Yeah, that's an, that's another milestone. That's another anniversary kind of number. Yeah, no, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about the five star ratings. Uh, it's been a, it's been a pretty good year for 2019 for the Apple Podcast app. Um, so I, I have a quick that, question for you. Your birthday yeah. is your birthday tomorrow? It's March 11th. So yes, today technically. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, they know we're they know we're we're doing this on Sunday. So yeah. Anyway, it's March 11th. That's my dad's birthday. Really? Yeah. Two great people. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a coincidence yeah that's amazing yeah. all right <laughs> so brett we have a we have a, a lot to discuss on the new york football giants we ended our last episode with dan schneier dave powis asked the question and i honestly thought that this was a uh at the time i thought this was like oh dave that's kind of like a silly question but he basically asked dan like oh what do you think is going to happen with landon collins and then dave was then dan was like there's too many d's dave and dan <laughs> Yeah. And Dan was basically like, oh, yeah, the Giants are going to franchise tag him. And then, you know, the negotiations, they'll all take place over the summer. And it'll basically be like every time a New York Giants pro bowler or top player, once their contracts is up, they'll give him the franchise or they'll let the negotiations continue throughout the spring, continue throughout the summer. And then, boom, once the regular season starts a couple weeks, two weeks before, we got the player. We got the guy. No big deal. Um, So... That's how that's how everybody thought that that was going to go down. But um, See, the problem is, yeah. you guys were using logic. That's the <laughs> problem there. Fatal flaw. When it comes to the Giants, a lot of times logic does not dictate what happens. So the Giants had the option to franchise tag Landon Collins for eleven million dollars and possibly work on an extension over the summer, and possibly even take that cap hit a little bit down based off of. If they could have given Collins guaranteed money, and if they could have given him maybe a few more years, would that affect the average annual salary? I don't know. I'm not a salary guy, guru, or anything like that. I will never claim to be. But regardless, Landon Collins is gone. He has said his goodbyes to the team. Everybody else has said his goodbyes. The market for Landon Collins is looking like it's Redskins, Cowboys, Colts, and Chiefs. So he's, 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 he has a few suitors. He's gone. Yeah, and you might be seeing him again pretty often. We hope, we hope we, I hope to not see him twice a year. Well, you might. Oh, boy. So basically, there's, there's a few takeaways from this. I originally said in kind of like I was on Periscope this past week, and it was a really, really fun Periscope stream that I had um, on, the, on the personal JPenix74 account. And I basically started off that stream by saying, this is, is a big fuck you, big middle finger, to regular season ticket holders and dedicated Giants fans. Because basically what you're doing is you're taking out a guy whose pro football focus grade throughout the years has been 2017, and he had an 82.3 pro football focus grade. Landon Collins in 2016 had an 81.7, and he has he occupies two of the top five spots in terms of pro football focus grades since 2006. Will Hill in 2013 had an 88.9. Will St. Peter's Hill. Prep alum. Damn. Couldn't couldn't stay off the the, the weed. Uh, you, know, you know he's still playing? Will Hill's not playing. No. Another no, guy Will named Will Hill's playing though. No, Will you know wait what? Another guy named I'm pretty sure in the AAF. I I heard a guy named Will Hill. Obviously it's a different one, but is he a safety? I, I kind of felt like he he was playing defense. All right, he he could be playing. I, I'm not following the AAF, so I how how, he, how old is he right now? Would you he's, think he's got to be approaching thirty? Okay, he's so gotta, he could be playing. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, really good, really good ball player. He just he couldn't stay off the weed, and he couldn't pay his child support. So <laughs> it was a it was it was a tough time. But anyway, um, you're letting a defensive captain walk. You're letting an all pro. Um, I know some people like Dan Schneier argues that Landon Collins, if you look at Landon Collins' stats and you look at his line and you look at his work in 2016, you look at guys like Sean Taylor and you look at some guys like Troy Palomalu, guys that have won defensive player of the years in the past. I don't and know. Our future Hall of Famers. 
and that are well future Hall of Famers, and you look at when they've won that award, Defense Player of the Year, Landon Collins's line and his stats and his numbers in 2016 matched what they did. So you're basically without any kind of effort to try to keep him. Now, obviously, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but without any kind of effort to try to keep him, you're going to let him walk. So not only is it a big fuck you to the fans who valued him, it puts the locker room on notice because he was a big locker room guy that even if you perform well, even if you produce, the team may not back you. And that's a that's a scary feeling, I think. Here, here's a scarier question. What if he didn't want to be a giant? What if he's I just like, he I'm out of here? I, I, I think he did because if the Giants, because I mean, also you're taking a huge risk on yourself by, oh, yeah. You know, by saying, okay, goodbye, Giants. I don't want to be with you. You're taking a big risk on yourself thinking that, okay, if you hit the open market, who are you to say that teams wouldn't look at you and saying how you dealt with the Giants and still give you the money that you want? I mean, would teams know that it was him that wanted out? I think I think reports would surface that Landon Collins does not want to be a Giant. And also, I think the narrative has very much been the Giants have not wanted Landon Collins not that Landon Collins is not one of the Giants. I think that has okay. been definitely so the why narrative. Do, that why don't you think the Giants wanted him back? Well, I think basically Dave Gettleman doesn't value one of the game's top safeties in a passing league. Go well, figure. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, to, to, to me, to, I, I, I want to give him a little more credit than that. So does he just not think that you know he's worth that much? Does he think he could pay someone less to, to play at a similar level? I think what it comes down to is Dave Gettleman is trying to build a football team that is as identical as possible to the 2007 Giants. I mean, that that's that's what I think it is. Okay. I mean, the game has changed tremendously, and I think you can agree with this, Brett. Mm. Even looking at 2007, 2011, the game has changed tremendously. Yeah, but honestly, in some ways it has. I mean, you, you, you look at, I mean, obviously you look at the high-scoring games, but you also look at the low-scoring games, too, and what, what, where the front sevens, you know, kind of dominated, you know, like in this past Super Bowl. So in some ways it's changed, certainly, but in other ways it hasn't. I think it's changed within the first, maybe let's just say, eight weeks of the season. Before you have a bye week, mm-hmm. especially if you have a bye week somewhat later in the year, I think it's changed in that time frame between training camp preseason to after you have the bye. And I've talked about this extensively before, where before the, the before the collective bargaining agreement happened, what I I, don't, I can't even tell you when that happened. When whenever there was the the lockout and there was a new collective bargaining agreement where you couldn't practice as much, teams don't have the proper time to prepare as they used to. So yeah. like in 2007, like in 2011, when the Giants won their previous Super Bowls. So the game has changed there where I feel like college quarterbacks, there are offenses that are getting dumbed down for them because they're being asked to play a lot earlier, and then there's also less practice time. So those two things are no bueno. Um, And it's just overall, it's just becoming more of a passing league, and you are seeing certain positions being devalued. You cannot deny that the running back position is devalued. It does not have as much value anymore in the NFL. but quarterback but positions like quarterbacks positions like the offensive line is always going to have a ton of value but if you have a mobile quarterback the value of the offensive line it goes down you don't need to have as good as an offensive line if you do have that mobile quarterback that can extend plays yeah but how often does that work that right. mobile quarterback exactly. very rare for that to work out exactly i mean you saw when the minnesota vikings had pat Shermer as their offense coordinator case keenum is no mike vick but you saw that with that rudimentary, rudimentary, not not the best word, with that lackluster offensive line that they had, they were they were the number one seed in the NFC, and they won a lot of football games. Would you call that offensive line lackluster? I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I would, to be honest. No, I think it was commonly understood that that offensive line that year was not great. Because of injuries? Because they had a lot of talent. But you look at the way that they performed this year without yeah. Pat Shermer, that came back and it bit him right in the ass. Yeah, certainly. That was not the same offense, and it was pretty much the same offensive line. Yeah, it, it was hypothetically a better quarterback. I mean, you know, getting paid anyway to be a better quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just another example of how Dave Gettleman doesn't 
value certain positions. He values other positions more. He's trying to rebuild what once was with the Giants. And something that I feel like is kind of lost, the Giants were one, you know, how in those two seasons, in 07 and 11, how close were we to firing Tom Coughlin and tearing it all down? Yeah. In both of those seasons, we are talking about. You were good teams. The Giants yeah. were not good football teams. For no, they were not. And I, and I had like that epiphany during Periscope this week where I'm like, we're trying to rebuild something and teams that we once had. So it's based off of the offensive line. It's based off, you know, well, I mean, especially 2007, 2011. That was not a good offensive line. That Super Bowl was on the arm of Eli Manning. But 2007, when Dave Gettleman was still pretty much very present within the organization, and Ernie Acorsi was Ernie Acorsi's players were still pretty much intact since that was Jerry Reese's first year. Mm-hmm. We're trying to rebuild a team that was one game away from missing the playoffs. One game. Yeah, and obviously you want to build an actually good team. I mean, you don't want a team that's just barely making the playoffs. So, and I think the Giants are pretty far. It's going to be a journey back to that point, if they or or to that point, uh, building a team that goes ten and six, eleven and five, and makes the playoffs a little more easily, has a chance of winning the division. I mean, there's just there's just just shouldn't be there. The expectations coming into this upcoming season should not be particularly high. I mean, and I don't think they are, but I'm just saying it's going to be, it's a, it's a building process here. I mean, I, I think their expectation, I don't, I mean, again, we don't know their expectations because we don't really know their approach and we don't really know the giants identity. And that's been one of the problems over the years is that the giants don't, I feel like the giants don't know who they are. Like last off season, Dave Gettleman acknowledged that, you know, okay, we're going to start to rebuild on the defense, but yet you go out and you spend, it was out of necessity, but you go out and you spend and you give Nate Solder the highest contract in NFL offensive lineman history. You go out and you spend, you know, three and a half million dollars on Jonathan Stewart. You go out and you spend six million dollars on Patrick Omame. Like, who are the Giants? Like, what, what are we, what are we trying to do? It's tough to find that identity when you don't have a franchise quarterback you're you're going to be spinning your wheels in any kind of progress you try to make i mean who I mean solder is a good offensive lineman but who is he protecting eli manning who sucks he sucked for years i mean he, he, it's just it's just not going to work and we're going to talk about this a little later but you, you, they need to identify that franchise quarterback sooner rather than later. And one more thing on Collins, because that's a great transition, Brett. But I want to say one more thing about Collins, because we talked about his pro football focus grade. There's also another argument that says, okay, you don't value the game's one of the game's top safeties in a passing league, but at the same time, you looked at what Landon Collins did against Tariq Cohen. You look at what Landon Collins did against George Kittle and Zach Ertz, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Do you honestly fucking think that anybody could cover those guys? Like, really? Like, let, let, let's be real. So that that's also that's also an argument where it's like, oh, yeah, you saw what Landon Collins did against those guys. I don't mind letting him go. Well, you yeah, Landon, that's a terrible you, argument. You play to Landon Collins' strengths. So Landon Collins' strengths, and guess what? Not a lot of people's strengths are this. is going to be covering the speedy Tariq Cohen or massive Kittle, massive Zach Ertz. That doesn't mm-hmm. really play to a lot of people's strengths. So, you know, Collins was a playmaker, even though Gettleman says that, you know, he didn't make enough plays from what Dave Gettleman saw watching film. And this is a reason, I guess this is a reason why they didn't trade him during the regular season is that Dave Gettleman during the off season, he had an opportunity to sit down and watch film and say, I don't like what this guy brings to the table. He doesn't, or he doesn't bring enough to the table. He doesn't bring enough to the table, which I think is a correct, better phrasing. He doesn't bring enough to the table, so we're going to let him go. We're just going to let him walk, which ugh, it kind yeah. of is asinine as to why if this maybe how they didn't have a plan. Yeah. How Dave Gettleman just goes into the offseason and be like, okay, we're just going to assess things now as opposed to this being an ongoing process and an ongoing conversation. That's where they really fucked up. So, and you would think that you would want to reward yourself you would think that you want would want to reward yourself by having a guy a successful hit in the draft right mm. you would think you would want to reward yourself by keeping this guy long term but at the same time this is a jerry reese guy you bet your ass that if 
Dave Gettleman drafted him, he would be on the team. So that's it. Yeah, that's very true. That's very it. true. So, People have more loyalty to the guys they picked. You know. So they but, they fucked up. They fucked up by not, you know, trading him. If if they didn't want to keep him, they fucked up by not letting him go in the middle of the season. But I guess that's you know, it's it's whatever. Again, the Giants approach in terms of what they do and how they make their decisions, it's flawed. And I think we should know that by now. So um you talked about finding the next answer for a franchise quarterback. Yep. That's what you talked about, Brett. Yep. And there's no, really no easy answer to this at all. Uh, I don't know enough about what Gettleman values in a quarterback. Do you, do you have any kind of hint on that? Nobody does because he's never taken a quarterback in the first three rounds. All right. So that makes it tougher. Uh, I, I like Josh Rosen. I, I do. I, I think I think he could be a good quarterback. I, I, don't, I don't see him being great. But I, I think he could be a, a very good quarterback. Just just from just from some of the things I've seen from him. I mean, I know you, I know picking out games isn't a great way to go about things, but I watched that Texas AM UCLA game. And Rosen brought his team from way down and marched them down the field time after time. And it was throwing dimes. I mean, he has the ability with the with, with uh, a very accurate arm. And you put him behind a real offensive line. I mean, the, the Cardinals were dreadful last year. Mm-hmm. And over the last couple off seasons, the Giants have made now two good moves to improve that offensive line. We haven't talked about that, the trades uh, they made. But honestly, they've, they've made a couple really good additions. And I think that offensive line should start to gel this year. It really should. I mean, I mean, the, the Giants are going to be a work in progress on defense, but the offense should should perform well this year. Again, the major problem is you have Eli Manning still. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you're going to have him this year, but you know, Josh Rosen should be the guy waiting in the wings, you know, for the opportunity. Because I'm not convinced, and we've discussed the, the draft prospects this year. You know, no one is convinced of, of these prospects. You know, right. so I think I think you bring a guy that people were much more excited about in Rosen, and who still has a ton of potential in a in a real destination, given a real chance. So that would be my move. Now, really, th- this is this is what I have to ask first. And if you if you follow me on Twitter, you know that I've gotten so excited over these rumors and this talk and this opportunity. That's is it in front of us? And I guess that's mainly my question. Are the Cardinals actually willing to trade Rosen? That's 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 my question. I think they are. I think they are. From what I've heard about, you know, their interest in taking a quarterback, obviously first overall, and, and really their lack, you know, their lack of support for Rosen. Yeah, I think they are. I remember quotes early in the offseason from Kingsbury saying, Josh Rosen's our guy. Like I, I remember that being a quote and that being a storyline early in the offseason. But now the narrative is kind of flipped, but nothing is definitive yet. So as when I'm they getting hired, it- when they hired Cliff Kingsbury, they knew they had to have known because everyone does that. He said he would pick Kyler Murray first overall. Right. Had to have known that. Right. I mean, at that time, of course, Kyler Murray hadn't made the decision yet to go go football over baseball. But, you know. They always had, they knew they were picking first and they knew who they were hiring. I think that was as clear to a clear sign as any that they were willing to move on from Rosen for the right offer. Yeah. And also, why out of all the guys that were out there for head coach, and I'm not saying that, you know, the next Belichick or Lombardi was out there for head coaching picks, but Kingsbury was a very odd choice <laughs> for a new head coach, for a guy that didn't yeah. win a lot of football games at Texas AM. You would think that, and knowing that there's a possibility that Kyler Murray could be there, you know, it, does it, it does it make too much sense to think that that's what is going to happen? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not. This isn't. This isn't a bleeding. This isn't bleeding. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. This is not bleeding, bleeding Arizona red. Cardinals. <laughs> this isn't bleeding red. So I don't know. But really, I think 
we j- I have to no, this is mainly for me. I'm telling this to myself because I know a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, Rosen's not fit for New York. Ugh, fuck that guy. And I'm saying, fuck you. Because how is he this- not fit for New York? I don't understand that. He- people people don't like his attitude. And his attitude fits perfectly in New York. Yeah, it's kind of like a fuck you, I don't care kind of attitude. That's what New Yorkers yeah. are. Yeah, but he's not like rude about it. He's not like rude about it. But it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it but that's what yeah, okay. It won't get to him. Like I don't think it would get to him. No, you know what I mean? No. So this makes too much sense. If I have to preface this, if it is out there, especially now that the Redskins have stupidly <laughs> traded for Case Keenum. No, that wasn't stupid. I, I, I want. I, 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 I know this isn't about other teams. We're talking about the Cardinals. Now we're talking about the Redskins. That wasn't a stupid trade. No. Tell me no. why. Because they only took on, they're not only paying him three and a half million. Okay. They're paying him like a backup quarterback that he is. So it's fair value. So you're telling me the Broncos are swallowing a lot of that salary and they, they're taking on Joe Flacco? They they redid that contract before they traded him. They're only taking wow. three million on. So yeah, the, both sides are fine. Oh, jeez. I feel bad for Case Keenum. Yeah, well. <laughs> if you get if you get signed to that big contract and don't even remotely play up to it, well, stuff that stuff that happens. <laughs> All right. Well, I just I just don't know why. I mean, I guess I guess because if you have no other option and you're picking in the teens in this year's draft, yeah, you, know, you take that on, and then there's virtually no risk. I, I agree with you. I agree with you that it doesn't make them any better at all. Fine. They yeah. just added another backup quarterback. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of takes them out of the Josh Rosen race. Question, Question marks there. Alex Smith ain't coming back. Yeah. So Unfortunately. does that kind of take them out? I don't know. Now that Keenum's now that, you know, now that I know that Keenum's only getting three and a half million, maybe not. Jaguars, you would think the Jaguars are certainly out because they're kind of all in on Nick Foles. Well, I think it's dumber, actually. I love Nick Foles, but he is a backup quarterback. He will always be a backup quarterback. He's one of the best backup quarterbacks ever, but that's what he is. <laughs> he's a ha- he's a Jeff Hostetler. Yeah. Took him took him to the Super Bowl and going to be probably the most uh, top three most important Philadelphia sports figures ever. Yeah. Won't ever won't ever be as good starting quarterback. No, he won't be. All right. Well, that's th- those are your words, not mine. Well, you just said it. I, no, I agree with you, but you said it as well. You you used words. You used words. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, but anyway, this this just makes too much sense. This makes too much sense. The fact not asking for a round one, a pick in round one, that we can keep our draft capital for round one. And they're asking mm-hmm. for what rounds three, rounds two, rounds four, and we, we have Cardinals? a million of those picks. Yeah, the Cardinals aren't. I mean, we don't have a million. We don't have a million second and third round picks. We have a million fourth and fifth round picks. Yeah, the fact that we don't have to give up that draft capital. Word on the street, things could change. It just makes too much sense. And well, the Cardinals are going to trade him until they've exhausted all their options in terms of trying to trying to create a a market in a battle for Rosen. They're going to try to get m- several teams into this. So they're going to try to drive up that price. I mean, other teams to me know that they're going to go with Kyler Murray and that's their, that's their franchise quarterback. So they're, they're going to trade Rosen, but you know, at the same time, other teams also want hypothetically in this situation they want rosen on their team so it's it's going to be interesting to see if they can if the cardinals can kind of drive up the price a little bit but who besides the giants desperately need that quarterback and don't necessarily have a plan for 2019 and beyond what's the broncos plan that's that's a good question then they're desperate for a quarterback i mean don't they have a pretty high pick though they have a pick that's behind the Giants. But it's top 10, I think. But it's a top 10. I, I, I feel like there are more good quarterbacks in the league right now than there were just a couple years ago or so. But obviously, there's, it's always going to be a need out there. And I feel like you have teams out there that have a plan on who is going to start in 2019, possibly 2020. Where, I mean, obviously, in my brain, it just makes too much sense to not go and get Josh Rosen, mm-hmm. to cut Eli Manning, and then you have more money 
to go out there in free agency yeah. to spend. And then guess what? This year, it's fucking go time. And then especially 2020, when Josh Rosen has a year under the system, it's fucking go time. Yeah, it, it, that does make too much sense. And, and I feel like the Giants are are just kind of like, you know, tiptoeing around the issue. And like, oh, you know, we, we don't want to be mean to Eli Manning. Honestly, no, absolutely. Sorry, Eli Manning is not a baby. He's been in this league for a very, very long time. Does he not realize? Does he not look at numbers? Does he not realize that the team is not performing well under him? And he is not performing like he used to, especially in the clutch. I mean, his numbers overall aren't the worst thing you've ever seen. But again, he, he just isn't it. Let's take that meme. Like, like, like I've said, chief. It's the chief meme. All right, Brett, you mentioned how Eli Manning's feelings, we shouldn't hurt Eli Manning's feelings, and we need to honor his legacy and his exit. Eli yeah. Manning has made over $235 million in his career. Yeah, I, I, don't, think, I, don't, I don't think, I don't think uh, his wallet is hurting. Coming from one team, and that's, that's something that, uh, that Mark Salino, who's the CEO of uh, Statement Games, go check out Statement Games. They do, they do some fantasy things, and they do some things pretty, pretty different and pretty fun and pretty awesome. Um, so shout out to statement games. We were having a conversation on Twitter and one of our, one of our guys, Tyler Zawacki, who is a new contributor to bleeding blue. He's going to be doing some tweets and he's going to be doing some stuff for bleeding blue on Twitter and possibly Instagram. He had a tweet where Eli should ask the giants to take a pay cut. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but if you go off of the quote from Archie Manning earlier this off season that said, if Eli wants to come back to the giants, they can't go through another season like this. Yeah. So if Archie Manning is implying that if the Giants don't add to the team and they go through another season like this, Eli Manning will walk. You would think that he would want to approach them and say, hey, let's take a pay cut. Let's make this work. Neither yeah. here nor there. Eli Manning has made $235 million from one team. That's not even considering the amount of money he's made from fucking Dunkin' Donuts and State. <laughs> no, I don't know if he does State Farm. But all these commercials that he's done with Odell Beckham Jr. dirty dancing. That's not even considering that. And or we're worried about his feelings. Yeah, or, or you know, with this brother, direct TV. That's not even considering all that shit. And we're worried. Steiner Sports. Shout out Steiner Sports. He's a he's a agent and part of them. And we're worried about this man's feelings. Like it's it's been enough. It's enough. It's enough. It's the same insanity thing over and over again. All right. So moral of the story, because we have to talk about the Olivier Vernon trade. We have to go and we have to talk about the free agency. I don't want to we this is an ongoing conversation. This Josh Rosen thing is an ongoing conversation. We could talk about more how it makes sense in future episodes, but it makes too much fucking sense. Yeah, that's Josh won't Rosen, yeah. Josh and, and it won't happen because if we get Josh Rosen, Eli Manning would have to almost be cut. Yeah, because he would be your future. I mean, you 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 can't just and he's already played, honestly. He already has NFL experience. You couldn't just sit him on the bench. No, it, it just just wouldn't, wouldn't be a good dynamic at all. No. And I don't think the Giants... I wrote, I wrote a blog about this a while back as to why we should temper our expectations on the Giants finding the answer this offseason. And part of that reason is because I don't think the Giants want another Kurt Warner situation. They don't want a Kurt Warner 2004 situation with the most important player who has put on a Giants uniform in their franchise's history. Mm -hmm. They don't want that. And I don't blame them. <laughs> I don't blame them <laughs> that they don't want it. Yeah. Um, so let's get to Olivier Vernon very quickly. Dave Gettleman, props to Dave Gettleman. Good trade. The fans' outrage over Landon Collins, he covered that up very quickly by making this very good trade. Olivier Vernon was traded away, plus a Giants fourth-round pick to the Cleveland Browns for guard, right guard, Anthony Zietler, and a Browns fifth-round pick. So how old is Zietler? He's been a league since 2012, so I think he's uh, he's 30 years old. Still in the prime, though, because offensive linemen, you know, they're pretty durable. Um, this yeah. guy has played every single game in the last three years, maybe even more. Mm. He plays games. The best ability is availability. Cough, cough, Weston Richburg. Cough, cough, Justin Pugh. So there's even a chance, I'm hearing chatter, that Zietler may even reduce the salary that he's on right now, that there's a possibility the Giants could possibly work a salary reduction. Overall, the Giants do save a million, $1.5 million against the cap on the cap. They save a million and a half dollars with this move. 
Why would Ziegler take a reduction? Why would he? I don't. I don't. Because Ziegler, he's performing at a very high level right now. He is one of the premier uh, pass protectors in in the league right now. Yeah, he does not get beat. uh, His pass blocking grade. 91.7 91.7 first yeah. among guards in 2018 per, yeah, and that's according to pro football even a little program. better than brandon brooks who i think who i who i thought was the best i, I love brandon brooks his overall grade in 2018 for pro, pro football focus was 74 and a half that was sixth amongst guards okay. 73.2 2017 20th amongst guards 2016 83.3 seventh among amongst guards but basically you have, have you seen a picture of him i have not you, you need to look up a picture of him. This dude, he's a 6'4", 315, jacked hamster. <laughs> he's a beast. His arms, like, you know those pictures of, like, jacked pit bulls? And, oh, you, yeah. just see, like, and you just see, like, their arms and the definition? <laughs> That's what this man looks like. Wow. Like a jacked hamster. It, it's unbelievable. Like, he's ripped. Like, I'm even just looking at this picture of him in a stance right now, and the definition on this man's shoulders, holy mm. shit. Damn. So look look up a picture of uh, Anthony Zietler and then go and go and debunk the myth that an offensive lineman can't be a bunch of hunks. He debunked <laughs> that myth. But overall, I mean, yeah, really credit to Dave Gettleman. I mean, also, this is another credit where, again, I'm reacting to things and I'm kind of speculating, but I'm not like saying this is what happened. There was a report that, you know, Olivier Vernon is on the trading block during the combine, but then one day before this trade happened, there was a report that came out. The Giants are leaning towards keeping Olivier Vernon. And every and then I'm like, oh, you know, what what are we really trying to do here? Again, it was one of those identity, it was one of those identity tweets. Or what are we what are we trying to do with this Giants team? Are we trying to rebuild? Are we trying to keep this guy around because he has good pro football focus grades and Olivier Vernon can help the team now? What are we trying to do? And was it a smokescreen? Was this a smokescreen report that kind yeah. of got the Browns to maybe add a little bit more? I don't know. I, don't I think know. it was. I think it was. I mean, obviously the Browns really wanted Olivier Vernon. So they're like, oh my goodness, are the Giants really going to keep him? So is that, is that expecting too? is that like expecting too much out of the, out of Dave Gettleman? Though? So, but hold on t- time out. Olivier Vernon, is he a defensive end? He's he's a he was a defensive end in the four three system with Spagnolo. Okay, and he was an outside linebacker in the three four system. He converted with James Betch. So why the why why would the Browns want him? I don't know. They, they have, have two uh, great young defensive ends. They have a few great li- uh, young linebackers. What do they want him? I don't any know. sense. It just Maybe. dawned on me how how ridiculous this is. Now they don't need him. He's getting paid a lot of money too. Yeah, I, I, boy, I just make. I'd be pissed. Honestly, if I were Browns fan, I'd be pissed. The Browns also drafted a guard, so and and he's younger. So apparently, they have their five, and then they needed to get rid of this guy. You know, talking Cleveland. That's not. That's not us. I don't know. We, we, we've, we've been talking about a lot of other teams during this podcast. It's it's the agency. It's the offseason. It's the offseason. Um, yeah. but the Giants, I think this this narrative finally needs to stop that the Giants have no offensive line. Oh, they have offensive line now. I'm I I I stopped that narrative earlier this podcast. Yeah, I, I think I think the whole that narrative would really come from because oh, if Eli Manning doesn't perform well, oh, the Giants have no offensive line. Yeah. Even before this trade, the Giants had an offense. It just it's it's not complete. They have an offensive line. That left side of the line, great. And now you add Zietler, like the, that move, that Zietler move. I'm starting to get a lot more excited for what 2019 can hold because we made this move and because I feel like once the season really picks up, these guys are going to gel a lot faster because mm-hmm. for Jalapio, who's the center, who's coming off of injury, Hernandez, Solder, they're going to gel a lot more quicker because it's their second year in the system. And then Zietler, I I hope and I pray that right side of the line, whoever they find at right tackle, that they can gel relatively quick as well. Because that's really going to be the main question about the offensive line. Who can they find at right tackle and how well 
can Jalapio, Zietler, and whoever the right tackle is, how well can they work together and how well can they com- can they communicate? Yeah, and you'd think that that right tackle would be a would be a a draft a draftee for the Giants. You would hope maybe the second round, mm-hmm. if we can keep that pick. So, it, 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 honestly, you might even consider it with. I mean, I, I don't know how good overall Jalapio is at center, but if he's injury prone, you gotta consider replacing him too. All right. So here's so here's my dream scenario for the Giants' offensive line this offseason. You draft the right tackle. You find a way to, to re-sign Jamon Brown, who has indicated that he will take some sort of hometown pay cut because he was the guy that came off of the practice squad for the Rams last year. Yeah. If we can find a way to get back him on the team for a team-friendly salary hit, Spencer Pulley, who was the replacement for John Jalapia when he went down last year at center, another one of those guards that are converted to center. If we can find a way to do those three things and especially have Spencer Pulley and Jamon Brown as depth pieces, because as we've seen with the Giants, between Flowers sucking and Richburg and Pugh constantly getting hurt when they were on the team, we need those depth pieces and being expendable is very important. I am feeling fantastic about our line. If we can add those two guys as our depth pieces for center and guard, Draft a right tackle. I'm feeling great. Yeah. And uh, you know, with the Giants line improving, I mean, I tell you what, the NFC East, it's a strong offensive line division you, with, with the Eagles and Gi- Eagles and Cowboys already with high-level offensive lines. Now you add the Giants to the mix. I tell you what, I, th- I still think NFC East still on the up and up. Quarterbacks. Yeah. Question, the big questions for quarterbacks. Well, that's that we already discussed quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just talking offensive lines, man. No, <laughs> yeah. So uh that's that. Yep. That's kind of the news piece. Now now comes the tough part. The speculation. The speculation of it all. So, Brett, let's kind of talk first before we get into individual names. Mm-hmm. The Giants have around twenty-three to twenty-four million dollars in cap space as of March 10th. Yeah. So keep that in mind. They did recently just bring back John Jalapio. They brought back uh, Coleman, who's a wide receiver. They got back Aldrick Rosas, uh, who's getting under a million dollars, even though he was a pro bowler last year. So that was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Very team friendly. Um, so they've made, they've made the certain moves of getting certain guys back on the team that fans are excited about and that fans are like, okay, you know, this is a, this is a low level contributing guy. And we're glad that we got him back. Yeah. How I don't really know. Like, Again, this this comes with the question of the team's identity and what they think they can accomplish in 2019. With that 23 to 24 million, do you kind of conserve and make the smart and savvy moves? You know, not to take a not to take a Brian Cashman slash Jack Curry tweet from this Yankees offseason, but do you make smart and savvy moves and try to save the money for when Eli Manning's money comes off the books for 2020? Or do you try to go out and get one or two? bigger names and bigger pieces for your defense or right tackle and then go from there. Like, I don't know what the giants are going to do. And I don't even know if I know what I want them to do. So the positions of need this off season for the giants are pretty, you know, there's a lot of them, mostly on defense. Like you mentioned, right tackle on offense is a need, but on defense, they could honestly use defensive ends. They use linebackers, safeties, corners, I mean, there there is not a, there's not a place really that that they couldn't use a lot of help. And from what I see in the free agency part of things, a lot some guys have already gotten wrapped, you know, re-signed. Like we're, like we're talking here, Jadavian Clowney. Of course, he wasn't going to leave. He's with the Texans. Demarcus Lawrence, the Cowboys franchise tagged him again. Boy, I cannot be sitting well with him. And honestly, it isn't. There's a chance he doesn't play this year, by the way. Hmm. So um, good for Eli Manning. Yeah, it is. I mean, I mean, from the defensive end part of things, Trey Flowers is out there. Uh, the, of course, the, the Patriots just made a trade for Bennett from the Eagles. So potentially Trey Flowers would be available. The Patriots might not be bringing him back. So again, that's, a, that's, that's on your big name scale of things. You know, you were you were kind of mentioning if they would go after somebody like that, and I kind of doubt it. So I I think uh, 
you know, some somebody like a Preston Smith. Again, that it, it could still be out of the Giants' price range, but it makes too much sense for me. He's an outside linebacker for the Redskins, and uh, he has natural speed and strength. And and the and the Redskins probably won't be able to keep him because they have a lot of other free agents to uh, to tend to. Uh, he's only 26 years old. I honestly think this guy is is a great fit. There's there's the other guys like from, on, on the corner market. You have Pierre Desir from the Colts. Uh, he's been a steady presence. He's 28 years old, a little more of a veteran uh, player. Um, so there are guys out there, but overall, I think it would be smarter for the Giants to build through the draft, especially with corners. I mean, free agent corners are very hit and miss, as you've yeah. probably seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's also Adrian Phillips, just to add another name out there, an Adrian Phillips who would kind of play – uh, that physical safety sort of role, that Landon Collins role, and, and, I, and I'd probably be thinking he'd he'd be a little a little cheaper than Landon Collins would have been. Um, there's a report from Dan Schneier that the Giants will are likely to target cornerbacks on the free agent market, and okay. that's kind of surprising because even though they have Grant Haley, Sam Beal, who's coming off of a season-ending injury from 2017 that he con- that he had in training camp, Marsh Bankett is still going to be on the team. So even though they have, you know, and especially considering that the fact that in a passing league, we mm. literally just said goodbye to Landon Collins, considering that, and the fact that the Giants just basically were trying to throw shit at the wall last last season with their cornerbacks and their and their free safety, and they were just going to try to see what could stick. I'm surprising to hear that maybe they're trying to target something in free agency for corners especially considering Dave Gettleman has had a tendency to press the spam button for drafting cornerbacks in late rounds of the NFL draft. So well, I, I, t- I tell you what, in, in terms of, in terms of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a guy that contributed last year, Grant Haley. I am not surprised even remotely that he was good. I watched him a ton at Penn state. I'm a big Penn state fan. I watched him a ton. He was always in the right place. Not the fastest guy in the world, not the most athletic guy in the world. He was all he was. He's a cerebral player. He's in the right spot. And he has, again, the adequate athleticism you need to be a good player in the NFL. I couldn't believe. Didn't he go undrafted? The Giants signed a ton of undrafted uh, free agents last year. And a lot of them were coming from the secondary because they just virtually that position went so ignored throughout the entire part of portion of last year. And especially when you trade Eli Apple and then when you cut Andrew Adams, who goes on to have such a great season in Tampa Bay, rough. It was, it was rough. And And honestly, this year it would probably be a better year to go into free agency for corners because it's a weak draft at that position. Mm. So for a, a Giants team, that doesn't like getting corners anyway through the draft. And so it's kind of a perfect storm to me for them to go out and maybe make a play for a guy like Pierre this year, who I mentioned a little earlier. It, it, it might be, it may, might make a lot of sense or maybe a Jason Verrett. Obviously he, he hasn't been healthy since 2015, but you know, he's the kind of guy that he, you know, he's, he's, he's really good. You know, maybe bring him in on, on a one-year deal, kind of prove it sort of thing. You have to you have to kind of weigh the price at which these guys are going to be coming in, especially considering Preston Smith. Preston Smith is 26 years old, yeah. and he had a 76.9 pro football focus grade. He was the 19th edge rusher above average grade given. Yeah, you know that guy's that guy's going that guy's going to get a pretty penny. He is, he is, but it. I mean, it obviously depends on on whether they think he fits nicely, but I I think he does. And like you said, they have room, and they're going to have even more room. Once, once they move on from Eli, so I, I just think you got, you got to actually spend the money. You can't just say, "Oh, we have it," and not spend it. Right. What about a Shane Ray, right. a linebacker? Out, he, 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 again, injury prone a little bit, but a ton of potential. He's an outside linebacker too, playing three, four. Yeah. You know, really, is just a question of again identity and the approach of do we want to kind of not save the money because you're like you said you know it's there spend it but you kind of want to make the smart and savvy moves with you know team-friendly deals one to two year deals and then once Eli's contract comes off the books regardless of you know whether he gets cut this offseason whether he gets cut this offseason or whether he doesn't and whether he 2019 is his 
his money is going to come off the books in 2020. 2019 is, is his final year. So, yeah. you know, you could be looking at, you know, having like kind of like a New York Jets situation where obviously the Jets have $90 million, on, $90 million in cap spaces offseason. It Jeez. won't be that much. Yeah, which is, isn't that insane? You, you um, can't even spend all that or even close because. No, no, but <laughs> they, they have it. Um, but the Giants, you know, if that $23 million comes off the books next year for Eli, you're talking about a pretty good offseason that you can have and a pretty pretty exciting offseason that you can have next year um but again it's just uh this one guy man this one guy just yeah flying the ointment he's the fucking base at the at the he's the at the end of the line of the tug of war <laughs> yeah so uh brett any kind of other names you want to throw out there any kind of final thoughts um and basically you know like you know like we said we're i'm not really good you know go go listen to guys who get paid to do this shit if you want to hear like oh yeah all the giants can go after this guy this guy might be a good fit you know brett brett just gave you a bunch of names and a bunch of good names for cornerback who i don't even know yeah um, there's bryce callahan too corner bears there are names out there and again yeah like you said it's it's there are guys that actually know for a fact, whether or not these players would be good fits with the yep. Giants, and and if they would even, and if we would even be able to afford them, you no, know, that's we, also a thing. I mean, we would, or, or the Giants would be able to fit these guys. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense, right? Here, we will be reacting to anything. That's what we do. We're fans. We react. We'll be happy. We'll be sad. We'll be pain. That's what we do. So, uh, Brett, any other final thoughts besides that? That's it. Uh, look forward to being back here and talking to you again. Yep. We'll uh, recap free agency. We'll preview the draft a little bit more. Um, I kind of wanted to get into why part of why getting Josh Rosen is so important is because I don't think the Giants have the draft capital to trade up from number six to go up to number three or number two. That's another reason why it's so important to get Rosen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we could talk more about that as the weeks go on. Because I do think a team will jump the Giants and get Haskins if Haskins is their guy, which they have indicated because they've met with Haskins and they've talked with Haskins and the Giants aren't very good at hiding things. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's me. Um, let's uh, let's hope let's hope we do more things. This has been kind of a good week. Saying goodbye to Landon Collins hurts. They obviously have a plan. You know, I, I think that's I think that's more weak couldn't say that last year i think they do have more of a structured plan going forward between getting zietler trading away vernon letting collins walk hearing that they are interested in getting josh rosen i think they have a plan i'm confident they have a plan but obviously there's kind of been ups and downs so far and things that you disagree and agree with so if they do have a direction they want to go in um I would say go go get it, and it seems like they want to be strong on the defensive line and the offensive line. That's that's where that's where you gotta build your strength. Offensive line is getting stronger. Defensive line is good in the middle. Need the ends now. So, and and the linebackers, of course, three four. So, rebuilding the two thousand seven Giants. Yep. Who went ten and six and barely made the playoffs? Well, that's a lot better than they've been doing. That is true, <laughs> and they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> and they certainly have more offensive weapons than they do than they had back then. Uh, hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> All right. So um, that's us. You'll hear from us next week. And um, you know what you got to do, everybody? You just got to keep on bleeding blue. Peace out. Take care. Sayonara. Goodbye.